Welcome to the Way to Japan podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Villalobos, and I'm on a mission to explore the art of Japanese living to be found right here in the UK. I'll be talking with Japan inspired creatives, entrepreneurs, and business people about what they do, why they do it. And what we can learn from their unique way to Japan. I love uncovering those small but significant details and really practical tips to help get us closer to Japan in our daily lives. So, if you, like me, are one of those people with a Japan shaped hole in your heart, tune in and capture your own. Little piece of Japan joy today. Okay, well, I am absolutely delighted to welcome Anna Thompson from Nourishing Families, who is a nutritionist and social entrepreneur and the Nutrition for Wellbeing lead at the National Center for Integrated Medicine. So, Anna's approach to eating has been inspired by her time spent in Japan. Both teaching in schools in Akita Prefecture and also running a guest house in rural Kyoto Prefecture with her children and husband, who's Japanese. That sounds like such an exciting experience. Um, Anne is a mom of three from Devon, and she runs a range of programs to bring together families and food in a relaxed, informed way, such as her. Eat, Talk, Thrive program, and she'll be launching some online courses in September, which she'll tell us about. So connection is a, a thread that runs through all you do. And I love, you said the other day, it's not about the food, it's about the mood. So welcome, Anna, and how's your mood today? Oh, thanks, Vanessa. Yeah, good, thank you. The sun is shining and um, yeah, all is good. So I thought we'd start by talking off, talking about something which really um, struck me when I was in Japan. I saw a sign up in a primary school and it was like, um, like a manga cartoon of two children eating school lunch. And one of them was saying to, to the other, suki kirai wa dame desu yo. And it kind of translates as likes and dislikes aren't allowed. So at the time I thought, wow, um, it basically means don't be fussy. And I was just wanting to hear about what your perspective is on how that unfussiness comes about. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? I, um, after I worked at the guest house in Kyoto Prefecture, I then the second year I went to work in three primary schools and in one of the schools I sat opposite the school nurse and we used to chat quite a lot and I'd say to her you know some children in Britain are really fussy and I have a family member who is like that and she was just gobsmacked she just had never heard of the fact that some children would only eat like five things or ten things or would not like lots of different things and wow in Japan my experience, I mean, this is all from a personal experience, is that children tend to eat most foods. They all have the one or two things they don't like, but they really are encouraged, just as you've pointed out, not to have lots and lots of dislikes. And um, it's, it's just an interesting way. It's very different to the UK, I think, where we 
I think, you know, on the one hand, you could say we honour children's likes and preferences and dislikes more. Yeah. But that, to the end extreme, that means that lots, some children, and maybe I'd suggest many children, don't like an awful lot of food. And so in Japan, I noticed when I was working in the schools and also witnessing my own children, because they were going through the Japanese school system or the kindergarten system, which is the preschool up till um, the age of six or seven, um, how food is central to the school and how eating is also central to the school day and how they eat together in one room and that the children take a really active part in the serving of the food. They have monitors who stand up at the beginning of the meal and explain exactly what's in the meal, the nutritional content, where the ingredients have come from, how the rice has come from the farmer and this village up the road and how the, I don't know, the, the other vegetables came from a different farmer, you know, or this came from a different prefecture. They're, they're really focused in on the food and the children seem very interested. And so, yeah, it just struck me as a very, very different way of being around food than we have here in the UK. And that's I wonder amazing. if that's, yeah, mm. I think that all plays into how they, yeah, just just relate to food very differently. Yeah, they're kind of they're kind of raising um generation of foodies all the time. You know, they're constantly giving them a, a, a sense of control, and yeah, they feel like part of it, don't they? Rather than being told, you know, you've got to eat this. Like I know at school, my son now he says, "Well, I eat what." I have to until they'll let me leave and go out and play. Um, and they try to avoid eating school lunch at all, <laughs> which yeah. I, you know, I don't know what to, I don't know what to do with it really. Well, I, I mean, I, I think what's really hard in this country is that the culture is so different. So I think Japanese parents have it a lot easier, but there's a, a culture in Japan that appreciates food and is interested and curious about lots of different kinds of food. And it helps, of course, that they have a really, you know, world-famous, well-established cuisine, which is admired around the world. And, you know, no. Britain doesn't really have that, really. Um, and so, yes, it is hard. And I think the fact that it's peer-led and that the children will be like, Oh, well, why don't you like that? I remember my son, we went back to visit after we lived in Japan and, and I had lunch out and he, my son had two friends over. They must have been about 10 or something. And I had, I think it was okra. And my son was like, ooh, I don't like okra. It's really slimy or something. And then they're like, oh, I really like it. Why don't you like it? And they were just confused <laughs> why he was complaining about it. And for them, you just, you just ate it and it was all different and all different textures, you know, all different, Foods are just much more accepted. So I think when you have that around you, you're like, oh, okay. Everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it. Whereas I think in the UK, everyone's, you know, like your son, wanting to get through it. They're not encouraged particularly by A, the culture and also the school environment. And so it just ends up a little bit of a downward spiral, which I think is a real shame. And um, I kind of wish my children were brought up in Japan because... I know yes. my daughter, well, all of them, but that my daughter, especially, she'd come home from kindergarten and say, Mummy, I like tofu now. I'm like, oh, great. I didn't Brilliant. have any part to play in that. It was just the school. <laughs> Whereas I think 
Yeah, you really have to kind of work hard at it as a parent and that is just hard work. You have to do it at home, yeah. Just taking a quick break to let you know about JapaneseLondon.com's brilliant one-to-one Japanese lessons. If you find that group lessons just don't work for you anymore, why not consider a private Japanese tutor? Lessons are online or in person for learners in London, and we have friendly tutors who are experienced with children, teens, and adults. If that sounds like something you are interested in, please go to japaneselondon.com slash contact to arrange your 20-minute consultation with me, Vanessa. I'm looking forward to speaking with you soon. Now, let's get back to our show. You gave me some brilliant advice uh, last year. So Anna and I have become friends over on Instagram. And I just mentioned on one of Anna's posts that um, I thought it was difficult to introduce new foods to my children because I ended up wasting things. And I have this strong feeling, um, the Japanese word is motainai, so waste not, want not. And I was, you know, not wanting to throw things away and it just made me really uptight. And Anna suggested that I should reframe that by um, thinking about wasting the opportunity to introduce new foods, which I thought was brilliant. And I literally think about that every day. So what, what do you think families in the UK get wrong and what does Japan get right? Well, I mean, again, I'd emphasize the fact that I don't think it's all down to the parents in Japan. I think they really are well supported by the school system and just generally the culture as a whole. I mean, in Japan, you have magazines on ramen noodles and where to find the best ramen noodles. And the whole <laughs> magazine is devoted to that. And you get people, like otaku, people who are really nerdy and very, very sort of focused on one thing. And, and you get lots of food affectionados who, who search things out. So living in that culture, it, it's not surprising. So one thing that Jeff, I've noticed, so I run this course, Eat, Talk, Thrive, which is for parents, and it's very much trying to give them time and space to think about things. And I know when we're discussing different foods, and I'll hear, oh, my son wouldn't eat that. Oh, no, my daughter, she, she doesn't like that. And I still have to say to them gently that you've already made up their minds for them by saying that. Right. And like, like the sort of motainai of the opportunity Yes, I understand that, you know, fussiness is generally very prevalent in the UK, but to think they don't like it yet and to keep offering them the opportunity to try things and it's just normal and this is what it is. And I think we have a very much a sense of almost dumbing down, like having children's food, kiddie food, and um, yeah, not expecting children to like adult or mature tastes, whereas sometimes they can. And actually, this is, uh, I had this in a school where, sorry, it's a bit of a story, but um, I was doing food tastings, trying to encourage them to try new things. And I told them to use their senses. So if they didn't want to try it, they didn't want to eat it, that's fine, but they could touch it and feel it. And then I brought in kimchi, which is very popular in Japan, obviously a Korean pickle, because I wanted to get the mm. teachers to try something. Because I think modeling what you want is really important. And that's also what parents need 
to do or you know should be encouraged to do is model what they want their children to do which I think probably Japanese parents do quite well Mm -hmm. so I got these teachers to try this kimchi at the end and then amazingly all the children wanted to try it Ah. it and I thought they're not going to try this it's you know, I'm sure everyone's familiar. Very with strong juice. smell, it's isn't pungent. it? Yeah. It's, um, ca- it's a cabbage pickle and it's fermented and it's, mm. I didn't make it too hot, but it was a bit spicy and they all wanted to try it. And out of all the class, I think all but three ended up trying it. They didn't all like it, but it's that sense of, oh, what's that? And I think that is, that is more prevalent in Japan and, and having different foods and not sort of, veering towards ending up just having what your children like because it's easy yes so, yeah, the opportunity I think is, is really important that's what that's brilliant that's so interesting about the the kimchi so I'm going to just ask you a few random questions just beginning to wrap up our time um what's your favorite Japanese word well I've got several, but I think actually tekito <laughs> is the one I've decided. Tekito is like, um, oh, it's like not doing things precisely and, and being a little bit, um, how would you describe tekito in English? Sometimes I find it hard to directly translate them. Yeah, mm, not so strict. Is it not, random? It being a little bit kind of, uh, uh, yeah, tekito. <laughs> Not doing things with real precision and in the really the right way. I love that because that's just me down to a T. It's just about generally doing it that way. Just getting. <laughs> I love that because we think that Japanese society, Japanese words are all about being uh, specific and yeah. um, doing things exactly right. Um, but there, there's the room for the kind of fuzziness. And uh, yeah, I really like that word. And what's a Japanese thing you couldn't do without? Oh, um, I think it would have to be our rice cooker, which we um, got given. So it's actually a European Japanese rice cooker. So it's got a European plug, which we've got a little adapter. But a rice cooker, you can set it to come on when you like. We eat rice a lot. And just having rice there, is anything to eat? Oh, there's probably rice in the rice cooker and it's always there fresh to eat. It's just one of the best inventions. I, I agree. We've got one that we were handed uh, down when somebody went back to Japan and they left their, their cooker mm-hmm. and their massive ad- um, adapter, which weighs more than anything else in the world. And um, <laughs> But I, I, I think that something I love about that is setting the timer for, for breakfast as well in the winter. So there's something hot and just ready to go. Um, the kids absolutely love furikake. I don't yeah. know how, how healthy that is, but at least oh, it's got some nori in. Yeah, <laughs> my kids do too. And, you know, you can always make a meal quickly, can't you? Or chadske or something yeah. with a bit of, with, when there's hot rice ready. Absolutely. Yes. So handy. Um, And then, oh, I wanted to ask you about what we could do right now, what listeners could do to apply a little bit of the Japanese way of thinking about eating to their life straight away. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really interesting question. I think, I mean, Japan is very much a country of form and ritual. 
And mm. beginnings and endings are really important in Japan. So like whether it's starting a class or a meeting or you know, obviously finishing high school, junior high school, whatever, they all have like ceremonies and you know ways of formally marking that. And that mm. extends to the home mm. as well. And so a meal time generally starts with itadakimasu and then ends with gochisousamadashita. And so itadakimasu is obviously another, sorry, is one of my favorite words as well. And I think it has Buddhist origins, but it means I will receive in a sort of a humble way. But it's also recognizing all the, the effort and the people and the animals and the, the how well, everything that's been involved in producing that food or bringing that food to you and just really recognizing that sort of real acknowledgement of the food webs um and so i love that that Mm. word and so when i'm talking to parents actually i often say you know our meal times can be a bit kind of scattered or not quite you know clearly defined and i think holding a space for a meal time and really thinking about it as a time to share um with your family to talk to converse and you happen to be eating a nice meal hopefully or maybe not a nice meal but just to enjoy that time together and so Taking the concept of itadakimasu, now obviously if you're not a Japanese speaker, you're not going to start saying that. I mean, obviously other cultures have words like bon appetit, but I encourage them to think of a way of starting and possibly ending a meal. And some go for lighting a candle. That can be really lovely in winter. Some people just say their child, they gave it to the child. Again, it's giving the children a bit of responsibility and control. So they asked the child and they said, oh, ready, steady, eat. So then... The child starts the meal with ready, steady, eat. And then, I don't know, I think they said thank you at the end of the meal. And actually, one, I remember one mum, she was so really taken with this idea and she liked the idea of a gong as noise. And so she sat there in the session on Amazon and orders herself a little paper <laughs> gong. And she said that was the best bit. Her and her, because she was alone a lot, her husband or partner was um, in the forces, so away a lot. So she just loved the fact that it brought this sense of sort of ritual and ceremony to their meal. And I think- I love that. Oh, I want a gong. Any excuse to get a gong, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So I think this sort of beginning and ending and marking it and and making it important. I think Mm. in Britain, not for everyone, of course, but for some people, you know, food, food is a bit of fuel, yeah, like, you know, and it's just get the job done. But it's like let's make it an important part of our day together. So yeah. Oh, I absolutely love that. I think it's it's really important. I remember children asking me in schools, "What do you say before you start eating in England?" And I said, "Oh, nothing." And then uh, they all kind of looked at me like what and so I said oh we might say let's eat you know and I mean obviously it's got no no sense of um of the kind of gratitude or or anything so I think it's a problem um, again with the culture isn't it we don't have that formal holding so we kind of have to invent it ourselves and so it takes a bit more effort whereas Japanese people have got it all set up just built in absolutely oh that's been so interesting I could talk to you all day about this no doubt but um I'll let you um get on with your day but before we go please could you tell us where we could find you to find out more about your kind of connection and Japan inspired approach to mindful eating yeah of course so um 
so I run a social enterprise nourishing family CIC and the handle for that on both Facebook and Instagram is at nourishing family CIC but I also um on Instagram on at Kando Journal and Kitchen and that's more Japan related and family food and that kind of thing and obviously I have a website as well for my organization which is www.nourishingfamilies.co.uk and um, yeah I will be starting some new courses this autumn and the first one starts on the 21st September another Eat Talk Thrive course it will be online so open to anyone Oh, wow. You're going to have an Eat, Talk, Thrive online? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm really looking forward to that. I hope we can join you. Um, Oh, and just, I love your Instagram. So it's candle with a K. Candle. Yeah, candle as in, in Japanese, I think it's to feel moved or excited. And so I... (laughs) Yeah, I sort of chose that because that's what I feel about food. I think it's a wonderful part of our life. And so it's just trying to bring that into our everyday. Yeah, so Kando, Journal and Kitchen. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Anna. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Oh, thank you, Vanessa. It's been great. Before you go, if the Way to Japan mission resonates with you, do head over to thewaytojapan.com slash newsletter to subscribe. You'll then be notified of the latest podcast episodes and blogs, as well as receiving my encouraging edit of juicy Japan-inspired recommendations. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please, could you do me a massive favor and tell one friend who might love it all about it? We all know that word of mouth is the best way to discover something new. じゃあ、これから、よろしくお願いします。